Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Taryn Hatcher filling in for Jordan Hall, who is uh, busy kind of taking the reins when it comes to handling exit interviews for all of us over at NBC Sports Philadelphia. Please be sure to check out all of Jordan's coverage of everything that's happened to close out the season, including exit interviews from Chuck Fletcher, Dave Scott, Elaine Vigneault, and the Flyers players over at NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Uh, but I am joined today by my producer on Flyers pre- and post-game live, as well as Intermission Live, because Intermission Live doesn't get enough love. Uh, Joe Fordyce. Joe, great to have you here. We just wrapped up yesterday. Everybody said their goodbyes, and less than 24 hours later, we're back chatting Flyers hockey here. Uh, the Flyers end their season with a win against the Devils. Some some good things it felt like out of that in terms of winning it for Brian Elliott, who got to celebrate his 500th game in front of Flyers fans, even though it was a few games delayed. Um, a lot of the veterans getting involved in the scoring yesterday, and it's always nicer to end the season on a win uh, than a loss. But undeniable, Joe, that this year, a disappointment for the team overall, and I would think disappointing for a lot of individuals on this team and let's start at the very top uh we heard from dave scott elaine vino chuck fletcher earlier today um dave dave scott voiced his uh belief his faith in chuck fletcher said he felt like uh some of the team's difficulties and trying to fill certain holes weren't for lack of effort rather that Bones just weren't ringing when it came to Chuck Fletcher. What were your thoughts on um, some of the comments that we've already heard come out of today, especially from the front office folk? Um, I, I would say uh, uh, my initial thought is a little bit underwhelmed. Um, now, I don't know that they're, you know, you're, you might not have, a, have the hierarchy of this team come out and throw everybody under the bus. I don't think anybody was expecting it to happen. But there seemed to be this tone over the press conferences, particularly the ones this morning that included Chuck Fletcher, Elaine Vigneault, and Dave Scott, that the tone was that there really wasn't much wrong. Um, and I, I hope that's not what they think going into the offseason. I'll say that. Because if they do, I don't know how you can look at this product on the ice and say that it was COVID and not being able to practice, which seemed to be, you know, they kept prefacing it by saying we're not using it as an excuse, but then used it as an excuse. Yeah. And the only thing I'll say with that is, yeah, but there's a lot of teams that have that as an excuse. And there are also teams who got better, like Boston, you know, after their COVID ran through their team it, it's not this didn't this season didn't happen in a vacuum and I feel like it gets talked about a lot like it does did um a lot of teams dealt with COVID a lot of teams dealt with obstacles a lot of teams dealt with not practicing and a lot of teams got it done anyway and um you know I, I don't I don't think that point was conveyed necessarily greatly today by um flyers brass um i mean of course there are bright spots and they 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 pointed them out you know um they did get hit with matt niskanen retiring a, a little late in the off season i mean 
there's not a there is not a top pair defenseman just sitting around waiting for a call. So, um, and they didn't have the cap space to sign a guy like Petrangelo last off season, who was the main guy available. But they have to get creative because. You know, and, and Chuck Fletcher did say this. He did say, he pointed out where they ranked in goals allowed and how bad they were this year and the glaring hole on defense. Now, he didn't confirm that would be his number one priority, but I think we all know that's the number one priority. And, you know, I, I think it was a little bit of, you know, posturing today by the hierarchy i mean they're not going to go out and say oh we're going to go out and get this guy this guy this guy and this guy number one you can't start naming players because you could be tampering a lot of teams are still alive and not finished their season yet so you know but i don't know i think i would have liked to have heard a little more strong words and less of like the covid and lack of practice time yeah there was a lot of that it was something that struck me and it was something that we brought up a lot on the pre and post game show. And, you know, we can't, we can't expect Jonesy or Scott to, to fillet anybody all the time for the same issue that we're bringing up all the time, but it was brought up all the time is we're not going to use the schedules and excuse, but we've played X amount of games in X amount of days. And it came up over and over and over again And yes, that schedule, I do think, runs a lot of people into the ground. The problem was that it was not running every single other team in the entire league into the ground. And so that excuse loses some validity when you're talking about it in that way. Um, There was another weird moment, and I have Jordan Hall's Twitter open now, because if you're not following him today as exit interviews happen, I don't know what anybody's doing because he kind of tweets out the best nuggets from the day. When Elaine Vigneault spoke... And Joe, you know how I feel about people who refer to themselves in the third person. It's just like a a thing that's very strange to me. But he said, there are struggles, there's adversity. We're going through some adversity can help Elaine Vigneault get better. And the, I'm with you in that. I I wanted to hear some more pointed conversation points. I, I wanted, I wanted it to be less vague and I don't, I don't truly know what I expected. I don't think any of us truly know what we expected anybody to say, but um, there wasn't, there wasn't as much kind of what's I'm looking for a certain word here and it's escaping me, but like accountability towards self that was transparent today is what I'm trying to get at here. And it was a little bit, interesting to me I get it it's going to take a few days and they're going to process I think we'll honestly get a much better answer about what was wrong with this year's team once we get closer to next season and we're talking to players ahead of next season and they are looking back on this year um but it 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 was one of those things where it's like I wanted I wanted this tea to be a little bit stronger it was a little bit weak for me here uh I wanted to get your thoughts on on Nolan Patrick as well obviously he's been a huge storyline since before the season even started. Um, Chuck Fletcher said that, you know, it's positive that he even got through the season health healthy believes in off season. He'll be able to do a lot more, be able to improve his conditioning. Patrick finished with nine points and he was a minus 30, which is one of the worst plus minuses in the entire league. Um, 
And when Nolan Patrick spoke, you could tell short of him saying, you know, yeah, I played bad all season. He kind of was sitting there and was implying, you know, I really was not happy with what I did all season long. Do you think the Nolan Patrick experiment continues here, given what we've seen this season and given some of the comments we heard today, it really seems like from some of the commentary, um, people want to see what he can do with an off season. I was wondering if you agree there. Well, I, I do think it's tough to give up on a young player and, mm-hmm. you know, the flyers can qualify him and, you know, it, it's not a huge cap number or anything like that. What I'll say is this, I don't understand totally the narrative that is such a positive that he got through the whole season because did they not expect him to get through the whole season? Because that message was never conveyed earlier in the season before the season, there was never any concern that he may not get through the whole season. So I I find it an overreaction to say, you know, it's just a positive that he got through the whole season, because if that is the way you're thinking about a player that almost signifies to me that he might not, Maybe he shouldn't have been playing. Yeah, there was there was some interesting, um, you know, him him talking about early on in the season having some concerns when it came to his his head injury, and all of it's valid. Like I I sit here and and when it comes to anything health, I am totally on the side of I'd rather see a person live a healthy life than play well for my hockey team this year. You know and not this is a total apples and oranges situation but like I covered Hawaii sports for a long time Colt Brennan just reportedly passed away today at 37 years old had a ton of brain issues from a bad car accident towards the end like you don't have to preach to me about him being healthy should be concern number one for Nolan Patrick but is him being healthy and and playing professional hockey Do those things coexist? Can he be a positive contributor to the team? Like you said, they can qualify him and he won't cost a whole lot and potentially give him another go at it next year. There's a lot of possibilities here. And it does bring up a pretty interesting point to me where now that he's set the foundational standard of he can get through a season, um, it should be interesting to see what he can do because we don't know if he was really conditioning last off season, like an NHL player, if he was still kind of in a process of rehabilitation, bridging to conditioning. Um, but I did find that interesting because as you mentioned, there were certain aspects of that conversation that weren't totally transparent prior in the season, um, that were brought up today that provoked some new questions, but also for me, provoked a sense of like all right well that's fair maybe he really didn't condition all like Chuck Fletcher saying I want to see what he looks like with a true offseason I'm not I don't know if he's saying that because COVID messed up everyone's offseason which I think was very very apparent um or if because he couldn't have an offseason because of things he was dealing with individually I I would be kind of interested to see what he can do with with a full offseason here but like you were saying there were certain comments today that um were, were some things that I think we were all maybe thinking internally, but had never really been acknowledged publicly before that were kind of interesting when it came to Nolan. It, I, I will be interested to see where that goes next, because like you said, the last thing you want to do is give up on a guy whose skill level at, cer- at certain points in his life have been through the roof. And, right. and, and what we said 
was, you know, like you said, health is, is paramount to all of this, his health. He's a young guy. Nobody wants to see him put his long-term health in danger. Mm-hmm. I feel the, co- the comments were just a little, a little bit like, we're not sure if his long health term health is in danger. And if that's the case, should he really have been playing? Mm-hmm. Like a guy going out there nervous about his long-term health is not a guy that should be playing in NHL games. And I don't, I'm not saying that's the case, but what I'm saying is the comments today were a little almost wishy-washy. Like it was almost like, yeah, thankfully he got through the whole season. Like you were expect, and, and this is not Carson Wentz who's been hurt three years in a row with other injury injuries. And, you know, this guy made it through the whole season and, and we're not talking about a football player where in a position where injuries happen so frequently, this is a, uh, a well-conditioned hockey player, a young guy. Um, and it's head injuries and that's, it's nothing to mess with. As we saw last year, he missed the whole season. So I just found like during the season when anyone was asking about Nolan Patrick, it was always like, yeah, he's fine. It's the conditioning. He's coming around. And then it was today. It was almost like, I don't want to say they seemed surprised he made it through the whole season, but it, it, it was made out to be a feat that he completed a season healthy. And I thought that was a little odd, just, just a little bit odd. So you know, maybe a, a full off season will do will do him good. And I mean, we did see Nolan Patrick take hits out there, and Chuck Fletcher acknowledged it. He took hits, he withstood them, he remained durable, he played a ton of games, he played a lot of minutes, he played on the power play. I mean, we saw him play all the places that a healthy hockey player would play. Yeah. Um. So. I don't know. I just was a little bit puzzled by that comment about him, you know, it, it being like, thank goodness he made it through a season. So, um, and, and the other thing I, I, I will just say about kind of where we started this podcast is that um, there, there was this with a lot of, there was this common theme that COVID messed up my season. And I, I think it started with the head coach. He, and we talked about this a little bit, like, his season got messed up and the comment you alluded to earlier, I think illustrates that even more like his season got derailed because he couldn't have his practices and he couldn't have, you know, they had the long COVID break. Are the coaches in, I mean, I haven't seen Bruce Cassidy say anything like that. And they had, I mean, I think they had more players on the COVID list than the flyers did when, when it was running through their team. And, you know, I, I get it. It's, it affects some coaches work on things at practice a lot different than other coaches. And I'm not claiming to be an expert on who works on what, but, you know, it, it, again, there was this kind of a little bit of this vacuum mentality that other teams haven't dealt with it. I mean, right now the Vancouver Canucks are eliminated and they're playing out the string of meaningless games because they missed almost three weeks of the season with COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is, I, I can't think of a team that didn't get affected by this in some way, shape or form. So um, 
I don't know. I, I thought maybe that there was a little bit too much of that theme um, amongst everyone, quite frankly, uh, on a day after a, 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 a disappointing season like this ends. I don't well, think people want to hear. Yeah, and I, I want to get more on that in a second because there's some Carter Hart stuff in relation to that that I would like to get into as well because there there is, and I know people don't always want to hear about it, especially people who are married to the analytics of the sport. There was a certain X factor with this team last year that seemed like had to do with just spirit and and team belief in themselves that COVID seemed to puncture a big giant wound in. Um, but before I get to that, very important, the whole reason we're here, Joe, you and I, me and you, and usually Jordan, but not today, is because Great Railing makes it possible. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all of your railing, decking, and fencing needs. It is summer, folks. You know you want to get out on those decks. You know you want to get in the backyard. You don't have to take the dog for a walk. You go get yourself a fence. Just head into Great Railing. You get the best prices that you can on all your decking, fencing, railing needs. Um, but yeah, to get back into this conversation of the COVID impact, not to not using it as an excuse here because as you said when you look at you know what happened with boston they came back from their COVID pause somehow like better than they were before they went into it and even you know i remember talking to mark recce ahead of the flyers you know four games in a week or whenever we talked to mark and he had said that 19 of the New Jersey Devils had been impacted in some way or another by, by their COVID pause. Um, and then the next time the Flyers saw the Devils, they, the Devils were absolutely outplayed them. And there were a bunch of young guys who had all been impacted and barely know their ups from their downs in this league. Um, so it's not an excuse, but it is completely undeniable that between the pause that started in 2020 after they went on their hot streak last year, all the way through, I want to say this entire season as well. I mean, we can say that they were playing before their co- better before their COVID pause. They weren't, they were not. I, we sit here, we watch every game. We talk about it. They, they were maybe playing marginally better, but they were not playing well before the, their COVID pause in February. They got bailed out by their goaltenders Yes, including Carter Hart at that point in the season um, in quite a few games. And they had, I think, less defensive breakdowns, but it's, they weren't playing good hockey then either. It, it just yeah, felt we like them 35, 40 shots every game. And we were saying, wow, this is just you just can't keep playing this way. Yeah. Yeah. They, they didn't start the season off. Well, and and I want to ask, and I don't know it's a question that you and I can answer or that maybe the players can even articulate. What, what is it that about the Flyers X factor as a team? How do you think COVID decimated it the way that it did? Because I don't think it's the Matt Niskanen of it all. I don't, I'm, I'm kind of tired of hearing the Matt Niskanen argument. It was mentioned today as well. I, I think, yes, Provy was asked to do entirely too much this season. And I think 
he had a down year because of it. I know he said he thought he had an average year. I think quite frankly, he took a step back this season, but Niskanen didn't play 60 minutes of hockey. At some point, Myers and Sandheim were playing together and playing well. Haig and Braun were playing well together. And the Flyers forwards in front of them were playing better defense, which I, you know, communication, I guess you could argue just, or Nick, Matt Niskanen was a good communicator, but there was something about the confidence in this team. Guys like Kevin Hayes, who led the charge there, Carter Hart as a goalie there, that seemed like it just got absolutely slaughtered by COVID in all your years of covering the flyers. Have you ever seen a team whose personnel is so similar that just comes back like a shell of themselves the next season? Uh, I, I haven't. And, and, and the couple things, and, and I mentioned earlier, like everybody has this built-in excuse with COVID, right? But what's not said, and I, I give the flyers this for sure is, when things are going wrong mechanically, like say with a young goaltender and that young goaltender can't practice, he can't work on those mechanics. He can be told by a goaltender coach, uh, you know, about tweaking mechanics, but the games are the only time to work on the mechanics. And that is different than a team. Like I'm just picking out a few teams, Montreal, Carey Price, he's a veteran goaltender. He, he might have a little, some more methods on, working on things or he probably doesn't have to work on his mechanics but a young goalie without practice time I can see how that can affect the Flyers and Carter Hart a little more a little differently as I mentioned than a team like a Montreal or like a uh, um, uh, Tampa Bay Andre Vasilevsky who's you know a Stanley Cup winning goaltender so I think the lack of practice can affect these teams differently I will say this. I think that somewhere along the line between the end of last year and this season, their defensive structure was lost. And I agree with you that it's a little bit enough already with the the Matt Niskanen stuff. Um, Because Matt Niskanen wasn't a number one defenseman on the other teams he played on. He played with Chris Letang in Pittsburgh on the top pair. He played with John Carlson on the top pair in Washington. He was always the guy that played with the guy. And he was never relied on like he was relied on here. And I don't feel like even last year when he was on the team that people talked about them about him like they've talked about him since he left the team. And I think that's a little bit – that's where the crutch factor comes in. Like, that's our crutch. We, got, we lost Matt Niskan into retirement, which was unexpected. That might be so. A couple things. The Eric Gustafson experiment didn't work out. But – as a lot of us have mentioned, and Al Morgani pointed it out a number of times this year, they already had an Eric Gustafson a little better than him in Shane Gostaspare. So you kind of wonder what was the expectation for Eric Gustafson when he came here? Because he's kind of been, he's been one thing his whole career, and it was almost like he was expected to be a different thing when he came here. So that experiment didn't work out well. Um, you know, I, and quite frankly, I just think some players regressed. You mentioned Kevin Hayes. The Flyers had a great penalty kill for a long portions of the season last year. And a lot of it was to do with they had two lines of penalty killers. Couturier would be out there. And then Kevin Hayes would come out and he was able to rag, puck, rag the puck on the penalty kill and take time off that clock. 
I don't remember seeing that this year. I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember seeing it once, to be honest with you. And I feel like a little bit of their identity went away as a defensive team. And I don't think it was about Matt Niskanen. I think more about, it was more about guys being defensively sound. And the confidence factor is an interesting thing because it's rare that you see an entire unit of a team lose confidence at the same time. Um, I mean, we've talked about how confidence is like, affects a guy like Gosta Spare more than anybody probably on the team. But this year, last year in the bubble, these guys played like they expected things to go their way all the time. And I feel like most of this season, these guys played like they expected things to go wrong. And the second they started to go wrong, they snowballed out of control. I mean, you saw here one goal was two goals and then it was three and it was four. And Hey, score a goal to tie a game, give up another one. And within a minute and, and, you know, this stuff, it, it starts to become your identity when it happens over and over and over again. And interestingly enough, Shane Gostisbehere, after being put on waivers and everything in between, ended up looking, coming out looking like one of their most mentally tough players this season. And again, when it's, it's different, but the same, like when we talk about the Joel Farabee argument, and we're like, wow, Joel Farabee had a great season. He led the Flyers in goals. But then you look at, you know, okay, he scored 20 goals. Really, somebody should have beat him, but he did have a good year still. Like Shane clearly did gain a certain level of confidence in his game again. That's really good to see. I think I can speak for most people when we talk about next year's season and the expansion draft. A lot of people are hoping Shane is able to come back because he clearly adds something to the Flyers defense that they now need. Um, But that'll be interesting to watch. But it it was interesting because it seemed like everyone else's confidence kind of went and his started to rise at some point, which was so not what we were used to. And a a big part of that, and I realized this and I coaching staff has told me time and time again, especially because my first season was the 2018, 2019 goalie carousel season when they, it seemed like there was a new name every single day does have to do with your goaltender. So the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric introducing the ZDX Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I do quickly want to touch on Carter Hart here because he did uh, speak not too long ago, about a half hour ago. Um, said the, the season was really tough for him. Had teammates inviting him over for dinner. Um, said it was challenging early on, just living by yourself, unable to see people, unable to really go do anything or interact with anyone outside of the bubble that you're supposed to stay in as a player. Uh, Carter Hart said team bonding is crucial to this team being successful. Hasn't seen his family since December. Couldn't wait to get home. 
So I have two schools of thought here, Joe. One, I, I get it. Like, was he 21, 22 years old? Um, grew up a very different life to you and I, like, I totally understand that as well. Um, and becomes this savior in the city, essentially gets built up on this huge pedestal. And then all of a sudden he's this, the savior of the city who's locked away in his apartment all the time and can't see people. And, you know, young guy who, from what I've been told, isn't really into, you know, the gaming and some of the stuff as much as other players are on the team. And so you're spending a lot of alone time, just like playing guitar in a city far away from your family and all of that. I do understand how that sucks and how mentally, if you're not doing well, it exacerbates the point. The other the other question it prompts for me, and I understand the isolation in the quarantine of this year is unique to any other situation that any of us have ever experienced. So I'm not comparing it to other experiences here. But when you're talking about being a goaltender in Philadelphia, the ability to power through really bad spells and heavy, heavy criticism is a necessity if we're, if we're calling it what it is. And the, like, like that reset time that he needed, I thought was a great call by Elaine Vigneault to do it, but it does call into question how, how did this player who we saw in the bubble last year look so good come, come this unraveled? And does that provoke more questions for you going forward about, you know, mental fortitude or do we write it off as another thing where we go COVID really messed us up for this kid and I think that's a viable conversation to have as well um yeah I think it is and like I mentioned earlier you know not being able to practice is going to affect players differently being isolated is going to affect guys differently um the adversity you mentioned about playing in a city like Philadelphia that has to do with on the ice and I'm not necessarily concerned about that because I felt like that was a strong point of Carter Hart's personality was he reacted, he acted the same way after games when he lost as when he won. He always sounded confident. He never sounded like he doubted his abilities. I felt like this year, a tone change, there was a tone change. And we, you know, a couple of those press conferences that happened during our postgame shows we reacted to it. They were alarming. His body language was alarming. And it was, was something we had never physically seen physically making himself small. Like he would sit I, as like, you know, as a, as a journalism major, you have to take a bunch of communications classes that I know you always sit there and you go, what are these ever going to be good for in real life? But you do, you learn about like nonverbal cues and literally every single thing he was doing, it took me back to like communication 101 nonverbal cues where you shrink up and you put your arms in front of your body and it's all like a protection, a nonverbal, unintentional protection like stance. And listen, if someone wants to say I'm reading too much into it, that's fine because I would agree with you. But it was one of those things where you watch it and it's alarming given the situation. I didn't mean to cut you off, but like you're 100% right. Scott and I would look at each other and we'd be like, oh my goodness, like, what happened to the shoulders back, you know, never afraid to take accountability because he, he knew he would bounce right back kind of a player. 
because he there were games where he didn't lose them for the Flyers last year. Like he would keep them in games and let one goal, puck go by, and he'd be like, "No, that's on me. That's on me. I have to stop every single puck." Blah blah blah. And you knew he could say it because he could stop every single puck on any given night. And you you didn't get that version this year. So sorry, didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, and and I think that's um, maybe the outside factors affected his game on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. There's a lot of speculation about what has gone on with him, but I will say this. I think that goaltending is the most mental of all positions in sports. Uh-huh. Um, because we, we talked to, you talked to Robert S yesterday for the pregame show and he talked about it. We've seen it before. I mean, there's a reason why a lot of times people will call goaltenders crazy and that's not like a insulting term, but you think about in history, Guys like Ron Hextall, Patrick Waugh, these guys, like, their entire personality was, like, right on the edge. Uh-huh. Almost, you almost would say, like, the edge of, of sanity. That was their edge to be so effective at what they did. And we've seen Carter on the bench before games doing his exercises and things. It's a very mental game. And I feel like a thing like COVID you can lose that. You can lose that edge. And maybe starting training camp in September and starting the season in October and maybe somewhat or totally normal crowds in buildings will do things to get him back on the plane that he was when he was playing during a, I mean, let's not, let's, let's not forget this too. If the season, the next season starts in October, that will be the first normal season that Carter Hart will have played he came up in the middle of the season the next season got cut short because of COVID the next season was a COVID shortened season so he hasn't played a uh October to the spring regular hockey season yet wild to think about yeah we don't know what that looks like and it almost feels like he's been a goalie here for a decade for his amount of the amount of conversation that has surrounded this guy. So I'm not necessarily worried about, I'm not worried about him, um, Carter on the ice. We always want guys to be healthy. That's the number one thing, whether that be healthy in physically, mentally, both. We, we always want that, especially for guys so young. And, you know, this is a lot, like you mentioned, so far away from his family. Um, and, and not um, he, not being married or, ha- you know, not having anyone around here aside, you mentioned his teammates. It, it does have to be tough. A thousand uh, percent. Yeah. A thousand and percent. I, I, I don't know how many other guys on the team are in that situation. It doesn't seem like a lot. So that probably, you know, yeah, no. except, no. I mean, late in the season, you had guys like Allison come up and, 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 um, and Cam York and, you know, I don't know what their situations are, but they're probably a little closer to what Carter is than, say, you know, guys that are married or engaged even like TK. Like TK's yeah. got a long-term girlfriend who's pregnant now. Like you think about the other guys on his team who are about his age, and really, like Joel Faraby is is one of the few who's in the same position as him, and. You know, when you look at like Nolan, Nolan's been with this team for a lot longer and is a little bit more intertwined to certain groups here and and a little bit more intertwined probably to life in Philadelphia when you really think about it. Like Carter had one 
odd year last year to try to settle in Philadelphia. And even that was abbreviated. So you're a hundred percent correct. And the, the important thing, what you were saying is as well is, is at the end of the day, I, I get that we talk about a lot of the same things over and over again this season, because a lot of the same issues pop up and a lot of the same explanations for those issues pop up. But when you talk about a mental health, you hope it's improved next year. It's the most important thing for all involved, whether it's being alone in your apartment all the time as you struggle on a massive, massive stage with highly passionate fans, or whether you're like a Nolan and and you've gone through hell and high water to get back to where you are and you've struggled um, in a physical way that also affects you mentally. It's the most important thing. And hopefully next year puts everybody in a better position to succeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just want to get your thoughts on Shane before we wrap up here because we're starting to get a little bit long. Uh, I kind of, I loved Shane's, some of Shane's comments that we got today. Every time I came back, I answered the bell. I feel like I helped this team win games. I feel like I'm back in that sense that I'm making plays again. I've got my confidence. Who, who among us, would have thought that this one of the stories of this year, one of the bright spots of this year, and it may be a bright spot on its way out, we'll see, would be uh, the once again the ascension of Shane Goss's bear. But here we are, and Joe, he he kind of gave people a lot to think about heading into this offseason. Yeah, um, so I'm I'm a Goss's bear guy. I think uh, in the past four years or since he came up. I've never seen I haven't seen one player on this in this organization affect the way the team looks like him. That and that's that goes both ways, good and bad. But when it's good, he drives the whole offense. He he might be the most dynamic player on the team when he's going well. We talked earlier about the confidence. 
I don't think there's a player that plays better when he's confident and worse when he's not than Shane Gostaspare. Late in the season, I would say middle of the season even, we started to get that, that Shane again. The power play started to produce. Um, you, saw, you saw those confident moves, particularly at the blue line on the power play, to create space. And, you know, part of me feels like that is going to be – that's a good sign and a bad sign all wrapped in one. The reason I say a bad sign is because I think those are attractive qualities to a expansion team. And um, I hope not because I hope Shane's here. And I really, really think he is a quarterback to a power play. Um, the Flyers' power play has not looked ever looked better than it, it has in the last number of years when he is going well. Um, we know Giroux is great from that, from that, you know, that circle, passing the puck and playmaking. But Giroux is better when Ghost is at the point facilitating. And, uh, you know, I hope he stays here. But uh, I also think he brings a lot of attractive qualities to a startup franchise like, like Seattle will have beginning next season. And um, that, that concerns me that he would be the guy to go. Um, but count me as one who hopes he's back. Yeah, same here, honestly. And I've, I've kind of waxed and waned when it came to uh, my thoughts on Shane over the past, what, what is it now, three seasons? But this season, seeing him healthy, probably for the first time since I've been back, uh, I, I just think he's got, he's such a weapon. So see what happens. We will obviously be here to cover it all, all off season, just because the season is over. doesn't mean that we won't have flyers talk. We certainly will take you through what will for sure be a wild off season with this expansion draft. And I think a lot of people are expecting Chuck Fletcher to make a lot of moves. So we'll be with you through it all. And of course, follow Joe Fort. Joe, what are your handles on uh, Twitter? So people can follow you when you tweet out important stuff about the show that I forget to tweet out. <laughs> it's uh, Joe underscore Fordyce. There you go. F O R D Y C E for Fordyce. Yeah. And then obviously you can follow me on social media. Uh, it's Taryn NBCS, I think for Twitter and then at Taryn Hatcher on Instagram and Jordan Hall is a great one to find on social media as well. If you don't already follow NBC sports, Philadelphia, because Stuff's happening all the time, and usually that's the fastest place to find us. Uh, and, of course, we'll always be back here to discuss it on Flyers Talk Podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll uh, see you next time, guys. Bye.